Today on the Below Average Joe's MMA Show, we recap UFC 278 in Salt Lake City. One of the craziest comebacks in UFC title fight history, along with a host of other fights. Luke Rockhold's last stand. Aldo and Mirab have a calculated fight. Also, we recap the PFL playoffs week three. The championships are set. Kayla Harrison does Kayla Harrison things. All hail the queen. Also, we recap BKFC 27. Dominic's favorite event of the weekend. Mike Perry and Michael Venom Page wage war in the UK. Also, we have plenty of fight announcements to get into, including a late addition to UFC 279. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> there <I> mean, it is. <laughs> that's how we started. <laughs> that's how we I, I I'm just going to be right up front. First off, I mean, shout out to me and Dom. We're wearing the colors of the logo. Dom made a keen observation of that. I also happened to match the uh, tractor sign in the, the background of my yes. video. So yeah. um, kind of interesting color choices for today. But I got to be honest with all the, the listeners, the viewers of this episode. We do this. <laughs> this platform gives us a platform to talk. Mm-hmm. And today... We're at a loss of words. <laughs> yeah. For two guys that have a podcast, you might just get a blank. There'll just be dead silence for the whole episode because we don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, what what can you say? Madness was what this weekend was for combat sports, and it was the cherry on top being Leon Edwards, UFC 278. We're going to get into all of it. But Dominic, how are you feeling? Honestly, might be the most tired I've ever seen you look on this show. So you, I mean, you sort of look like you've been run over by a bus, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> and, and I do appreciate the brutal honesty because I feel like I've been ran over by a bus. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it was. Uh, I, I said this to know off here, and I have to just say it now. I am a guy that can be impressed relatively easily. I like simple things so when yeah, crazy things easy. happen i get super excited and like wow but then something like last night happens at ufc 278 <laughs> and rarely during all those exciting times that get me riled up do i get left speechless but last night leon edwards left me speechless Well said. (laughs) Well said, Dom. (laughs) I mean, I think that little dead silence right there is really going to be a theme for today. Yeah. Um, This is the kind of... I I don't even know if I should get into it yet. I feel like I need to wait. Let's talk about Points Bet Sportsbook, Dom. Let's give them a quick little word here. Uh, they're, They're the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show. Um, new users today, if you sign up today, you can get up to $2,000, 100% matched on your initial deposit. Mm. There's two ways 
to make good on this offer. You can either go to the link in me and Dom's uh, social media bios and Blue Average Joe's MMA show, uh, Instagram or Twitter, or in the description of today's episode, no matter where you're listening at, go to that link. The code will already be loaded in there. All you got to do is sign up and you get that offer. Also, if you'd rather download the app, PointsBet Sportsbook app, uh, you can also do it there at sign up. You just have to type in code MMA Joe's. Yes. That's MMA Joe's. Do it there and you get that uh, discount, that offer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, shout out to PointsBet Sportsbook. And let's get into UFC 278, Dom. Here we go. So your main event on Rocky Edwards pulls a page out of the old Rocks book and he knocks out. Kamaru Usman, round five, four minutes, four seconds in. That's right in the last minute of the fight. Um, pretty clear decision victory was what Kamaru was in route to doing here. He was up three to one on all the judges' scorecards. Before this moment, probably was going to take round five if obviously what happened didn't happen. Um, just looked like another victory for Kamaru. You know, Leon had a very solid first round, but ultimately uh, Kamaru looked like he was uh, the more, um, had better cardio, I guess, for this moment. It looked like his, his implementation of his attack was very smart, using a lot of clinching, a lot of takedowns, um, even kind of getting the better on the feet at times, like just having more power. He just seemed mm-hmm. to be affecting Leon with the body work and mixing it up, going to the head. Um, but then one of the craziest things of all time happens, right? When you kind of started to just assume the fight was over, Leon throws one of the nastiest head kicks. Doesn't even aim it for the head. Kamaru straight up leans into it. Sort of like what happened with Cruz Vera just a week ago. And it knocks him out cold. He slayed the beast. The 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 pound for pound best in the world knocked out cold. Anderson Silva's record is safe. I'm sure for Dominic that is quite the quite the high note for this for this. Um give me your thoughts as you watch this fight, Dom. I know it's hard to even remember probably the earlier rounds but as you watched round one where leon had a lot of success and then the way the rest of the fight went you know what was going through your mind and maybe even talk about kind of what you were predicting before the fight yeah so i did think before the fight i had just a weird gut feeling that like leon would somehow pull out a decision but then as the fight started obviously we know he had the great round one he even had a takedown, had Kamaru in the body triangle, working for the rear naked choke for about a minute and a half. So it was quite impressive. Uh, he goes up 1-0, but then Kamaru really just gained control slowly but surely, round by round, more and more, 2-3-4. and four. He was doing his thing. I mean, he looked okay on the feet. He was pressing forward with his pace and pressure, forcing Leon up against the fence, using his clinching. Um, he just looked so much stronger. He looked more... In shape. I mean, obviously, we know Kamaru trains out there in Colorado, so he's at elevation. Leon had been mm-hmm. sleeping in one of those altitude chambers. He was out in Salt Lake City two weeks prior to this to try and acclimate. I think a lot of fighters were affected by the altitude last night. But Leon wasn't, like, extraordinarily gassed. I just think 
that the championship rounds, the championship experience of Usman just began to show prominently. It was the fresher fighter. Yeah, he was the fresher fighter. He was just more confident in his abilities, doing what he had to do to win and fighting. Like Dana said, damn near a perfect fight. His IQ, I mean, Kamaru's fight IQ is next to none. Round five starts much of the same. Kamaru Usman doing his thing. A minute left. A minute left from a sixth title defense, from a 16th consecutive UFC win to tie that record that Noah just mentioned with Anderson. And Leon Edwards kind of flashes a left hand to bait Kamaru to react to it. Kamaru reacts right into the direction of that left high kick, and he put Kamaru Usman to sleep. I... I stood up off of the couch at my buddy's place, hands on head, and I just stood. And I just—it was—it was one of those moments that I wish I could relive, that I wish would have been caught on camera, but it won't be. And I know that's how life is—you can't relive those moments. But it was just so special that night as an MMA fan. We're going to remember for a very long time to see a pound for pound, the best fighter in the world, 19 wins in a row if you go outside of the UFC. And he was put to sleep by Leon Edwards, a guy that had fought and died, scratched and clawed his way to get back to the, or not to get back, but to get to that title shot for so long that so many people had been calling for. And he climbs the mountain, Noah. He comes out with the title around his waist. It was quite astonishing. It was quite the fairy tale ending. If you're Leon Rocky Edwards, what would you say? I mean, completely living up to his to his nickname there with the Rocky. Yeah. yeah. I was seeing some really great videos going around online with the Rocky music thrown in. I mean, it was Mm-mm-mm. it felt like a movie. I mean, you listen to the commentary, who I think did a great job on this fight, by the way. Um, I know a lot of people will call out these three, you know, the A team or whatever you want to call them for when yeah. they have less than stellar outings. So I just wanted to give them credit because I thought this was like a great showing for them. But they were essentially, and they even admitted this afterwards, they were kind of writing uh, Leon's obituary. You know, they mm-hmm. were sort of saying, you know, he's just, it's a moral victory to just go to a decision for him at this point. And yeah. how defeated he looked. Dean Thomas had a lot of people kind of throwing a lot of crap at him on Twitter yeah. uh, due to his analysis of Leon not being able to look his coaches in the eyes in between rounds, almost as a look at defeat, that he was ashamed of the performance he had given. And I think there's maybe too much crap being piled on Dean Thomas. I mean, come on, he's being, you know, he's just given a take. It Just because it ended up proving wrong, I guess, you know, I mean, it did look like Leon was all but done. Like, it yeah. just didn't look like there was much left. Yeah. And then that happened. So I think it's easy to kind of be mistaken and assume that he was sort of defeated or had nothing left or whatever. Um, what I want to talk about is... <laughs> it's so weird because if this would... If, if, if the press conference before this fight, like, not the one two days ago or whatever, but the one from like a month ago or whenever they did it mm-hmm. where Kamaru said, we're going to wrestle and all these things that he was saying, I was like, okay, if that doesn't happen, I probably am still bet. I got betting on Leon Edwards. I'm still thinking he's going to win. And I said this on, on our preview show, kind of why I felt that way. And it was a lot of it. It felt like a trap fight. 
You got Kamaru talking about going up to 205 pounds a lot. He's talking about boxing Canelo Alvarez. He's dressing different. He's got a role in Black Panther 2. He's going for the record, tying the record, 16 straight UFC victories. Leon Edwards, a guy he's already beaten. Leon, a guy who had been like, kind of been handed just a shit deck of cards yeah. through his UFC career and not right. all that's to be blamed on the UFC or whatever. Some of that's the world. It's just all these elements were adding up to where I was like, I could see Kamaru just having his his hand in too many different pots outside of prepping and fighting in the UFC. And I could see it being the perfect melting pot for a super just motivated and ready Leon Edwards to take that title and that's really not what happened at all. That's really not what happened at all. Despite the fact that Leon Edwards got this victory, mm-hmm. you watch the fight. That's not the way it played out. Kamara Usman looked sharp. Yes, yep. round one. Leon, even though I'm not going to pretend like this knockout was like a Hail Mary. I mean, it was in a way. But Leon had more success against Kamaru than most have. You know, you yeah. look at that round one. That was the first time Kamaru's ever been on his back in the UFC. Ever. Yep. Yep. He's fought Colby Covington and these great <laughs> RDA, these great grapplers, and nobody has put him on his back. Leon did it. And kept him there. I think <laughs> kept him there. Had yeah. the back. Had yeah. him. It looked like he might get a choke. I mean, it was yeah. absolutely crazy for Leon Edwards, who we thought had the boxing advantage, the technical advantage in the striking. Nobody <clears throat> thought he was going to get it done this way. Uh, but obviously, Kamaru, pretty good defense on his back so he's able to get through the round and then two through four and even most of five was really what we thought this fight could be and it was Kamaru just playing a very smart fight a lot of clinching not allowing a lot of distance between him and Edwards Mm -hmm. closing that distance a lot of dirty boxing a lot of those uh, knees to the leg and and the, the butt or whatever you want to say yeah um a lot of takedowns. Leon getting back up a lot, which, you know, that's that's good. He was kind of yeah. able to get back to his feet. But even in the striking, it felt like Kamaru was having a lot more success, whether yeah. it be because he had a power advantage. But he was just – I felt the striking for him looked even better than it ever had. Like he was mm. go, mixing it up to the body, to the head. Yeah. Like literally nothing in this fight. Like it wasn't like I thought he got too confident with his hands and that's ultimately yeah. what cost him. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew what he needed to do to get a win. And yep. it was even surprising us in his success in other areas. But Leon Rocky Edwards, his composure is my biggest takeaway. And this is actually going to be like a two-parter for Leon. This is following up from a previous fight of his. Because look at the Nate Diaz fight that Leon Edwards had. He dominated four and a half rounds of that fight. The last minute of the fight gets rocked with the huge left hand from Nate Diaz. Uh, almost to the point where it kind of undid all the good he had done the rest of the fight in terms yep. of what the MMA community felt. It was like moral victory for Nate Diaz who pointed at him, at the yep. rock at him. Could have possibly finished that fight if he had been more urgent. But Leon survives, um, wins the decision handedly. Here, he's in the opposite end. He, he is the one who doesn't seem to have a shot in hell of winning this fight at this point. Looks like there's hardly anything left. 
and he throws a masterful high kick to finish the fight. He knew he needed a finish. He got a finish. It is a movie, as much of a movie ending as you can get to a fight and completely lives up to that Rocky nickname. Um, what a star-making showing it was. I mean, you look at the post-fight interview. Um, this is a guy who'd been very reserved, very, you know, had held in a lot of his frustration over time. He sort of let the the he let success make the noise or whatever. He let his, his performances make the noise, but his performances were pretty, you know, technical. Not mm-hmm. not exactly these highlight reel knockouts. Not these uh, drag him out bloody affair fights, but he was very solid, rock solid, built up the win streak, earned to fight the right way, took all these different fights with guys like Hamzat and Jorge Masvidal that ended up not coming through. And then here he is, biggest moment of his career, biggest moment of his life. And he goes in and takes the belt from the best fighter in the world, one of the best fighters of all time who had shown no signs of slowing down. I mean, I don't see how you don't just away from this fight just having a just deeper appreciation for a guy like Leon Edwards. Yeah, you said it perfectly. This is the most beautiful sport in the world. This is the most amazing sport <laughs> ever. And that that ending last night shows you that it's never you can never count anybody out until the final bell rings and Leon when he looked defeated mentally and physically just ready to be done, he reaches that down deep, his corner lights a fire in his ass going into that fifth round. And he sets up that perfect shot. I mean, and now he's the champion of the world that the, the, uh, the clip of him FaceTiming his mom and him just really breaking down. And all of those frustrations that you talked about just like came out. I feel like, you know mm. what I mean? When it really just set in for him, that picture uh, that they took where he's just holding his head and the belt in his kinda, lap. Kind of reminds you of the old Kobe picture. Yeah, dude, that fucking picture's cold. That's a sick picture, man. I mean, Leon, get that put on your wall in your house because that was just, <laughs> it, it was monumental. Things like, there's always big moments in this sport, arguably every week. Not I mean, Rather they're insanely popular to the masses or just to hardcores like us. There's always something to take away. But things like this, where all eyes are on you, like the world knows who Leon Edwards is now. And the, that's how quickly lives can change in this sport. Both both sides of the coin, mind you, but for the winner and Leon especially. Yeah, I just... Um, I'm just in shock, honestly. Um, I knew Leon had a chance here, for sure. I, I think me and you probably gave him... Well, I mean, you predict him to win based off of what you told me with your... Um, uh, whatever that app's called, don't matter. Yeah. Uh, but um, the for me, like I sort of kind of went away from my original prediction, but still was trying to be respectful to Leon's chances here. And I just never would have expected this, you know. Yeah. I thought Leon's best route to victory was to outpoint Kamaru, was to try to keep the fight standing, have good takedown defense, and simply be the better boxer, the better technical boxer of the two and get a decision victory. And that's just not at all how it played out. That's why you're right. It is 
the most beautiful sport in the world. And actually, I was listening, as I do every time I talk about this show all the time, the Ringer MMA show, I was listening to their post-show last night, and Bill Simmons came on there. You know, Bill Simmons, head of Ringer, you know, he's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal in the sports world. I've been a fan of his for a while. And I've listened to a lot of his different podcasts, whether it's sports, but my I like listening to like his movie podcast. But his big thing is he always, whenever he's talking about, it could be sports, movies, anything, he always tries to compare it to something sports related, something that anybody, any sports fan could easily recognize, you know. Um, and he said he had a hard time finding that thing with yeah this fight the Usman Edwards fight like he couldn't think of a of a comparison sports wise for it and I think that's because Dom this couldn't happen in any other sport that's what puts MMA above it for us I mean as much as I love team sports Dom I love all these different sports it you you, you can't have this equivalent where Kamaru Usman is handedly winning this fight he is in route to a decision victory a minute away you know up 3-1, likely going to win 49-46 on the cards. You compare it to a team sport, I mean, maybe I can't think of, like, a, an exact example of, like, something that's really happened in a game. But think of, like, in football. If a team is up 28-7, to okay, and you're hitting close to two minutes left in the game, it may not be over, but... It's as good as over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you got, you need a lot of luck to go your way, a lot of turnovers, a lot of quick touchdowns to get that game even close again. That's why, like, you, there's nothing in that football game. There was no 21-point equalizer. Right. right. So in MMA, though, there's always the equalizer. You, you can be down – like Calvin Cater was to Max Holloway, and he could still pull a rabbit out of the hat and finish that fight. That's what makes it such a fun sport to follow, but also can make it such a bitch of a sport to bet on. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, my my God. Um, Dominic, we do need to transition into what's next for these guys, right? I mean, that's a big part of what we do here. Um, I know it, like... (laughs) I'm not even sure if the if the the mat and the octagon at Salt Lake City's cold from these two fighting yet, but and it was such a big moment, and I like, but there's a clear direction here. You got to do the trilogy in Wembley. I mean, Dana mentioned Wembley as a potential location for a trilogy fight, and I'm really happy that Dana's on board with that. I mean, I know Dana may not be calling as much shots as he used to, but I do think he still obviously has some. Yes, might have been a pool, um, but you know, think of the fact that the fight was in Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, it's the UFC are very much at this point. You know, they they they'll take the show anywhere, and they'll build the cards around the shows. They don't necessarily like. Sure, they're going to be in Brazil in January, so they want to put some Brazilian champions or challengers on mm-hmm. that card. Same with. Um, Australia in, in February, I believe, is when they're planning to go there. But most of the time, like, you have these shows in Texas or in California or in New York. And, 
you know, Israel Asanya versus Alex Pajera is going to headline at MSG, but like neither guy really has that kind of connection to New York, but it's just a big fight and yeah. it's a big venue, so they're going to put it there. I'm glad, though, that he wants the trilogy bout to be at a stadium like that because to me, it's a massive fight now. I mean, it's a massive fight because despite Leon's success in round one, and obviously getting the highlight real KO. There's a lot of questions on if he can replicate that kind of performance or even just put it all together for five rounds to beat Kamaru a second time. Then you look at Kamaru, who has to come back from such a brutal knockout. Mm-hmm. You know, how's he going to recover from this? How is he going to bounce back? Is he going to be more tentative in the second or the third fight now? Um, it's a lot of questions, but it's now this, this second fight was a, you know, it was decent. Like we were kind of excited for it, but it sort of felt like, okay, Leon's a bit of a long shot, but you know, Kamaru, the best fighter in the world, always excited to watch him, but it's in Salt Lake city. It's like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then now here we are the third fight. We're talking about Wembley stadium. I mean, this is, this has become a massive deal at this point, Dom. Yeah, that that would be crazy for the UFC to go do a stadium like Wembley. Um, I mean, that would, I'm pretty sure, break the records of what they've done in Australia. I think Wembley is some sort of crazy number of people. Like, I don't even know, maybe even 90 I think it can get to, which is just insane if the UFC were to do that. And what a story if your headliner is Leon Edwards when you look at the road it took for him to get here and you're telling me that just maybe – his next fight could be a sellout crowd in his homeland in Wembley Stadium, one of the most miraculous stadiums in the world, outdoor stadiums. Um, it would just be uh, unbelievable. And Noah, obviously the trilogy is front of mind. That should be the fight to happen next. But in what world do we see a potential title fight with Leon Edwards in someone else other than Kamaru Usman? Because last night... And I'm simmering a little, but just like my immediate thought, because we've heard already Usman speak on retirement a little bit or hint at it here and there, a little dash of salt and pepper, even this week when he's like, he's ready to be out of here before this next wave gets there, which one of them fights here in a couple weeks. But now to lose like this, you know, you're probably not going to win 15 more fights and have a chance to tie that record again in Anderson and maybe win 17 and beat that record. You're not going to probably get to GSP's welterweight title defense record now all of a sudden. like So many things were in the palm of Kamar Usman's hands last night, and now it's all gone. And like, yes, he can come back and win that title. Yes, he can still have a big fight or two before he wants to call it quits. But does he want to go through all of it again? That is the biggest question in my head right now. Immediate thoughts. I don't know if we see Kamaru fight again. I hope we do. I hope we get the trilogy and maybe he can finish his career that way and maybe get his title back or something. I don't know. But right now, if you had to ask me, is that the next fight? I think I would still say no 12 hours removed from last night's fight. I'm a little surprised that you would say that. I I did sort of raise that question myself when one of our friends asked. I sort of said, well, we haven't even ruled out Kamaru could retire after this. And 
I do think that's in play. I think those are the two options. He's either going to do a trilogy bout with Leon Edwards or he's done. He's retiring. Yeah. yeah. But the more I thought about it, I mean, Kamaru, just you look at the run he was on, everything you just said, you know, all these things that felt like they sort of slipped from his his grasp. But at the end of the day, he's still one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. He's still, I mean, even with that loss, I mean, now he's, what, number three pound for pound in the world, maybe, or even maybe number two. I mean, the guy's still an unbelievable fighter. Yeah. But is that the way he wants to go out? You know, mm-hmm. for a guy like him who does, he has to have an ego to be as good as he's been. Yeah. And you look, he was really starting to kind of believe in his hype a little bit, which I don't think, again, is why he lost here because he seemed very prepared. And, yeah. And again, he didn't look to be overlooking Leon, but he did, you know, the way he's dressed and the way he's talking, he is starting to really believe in the hype, you know? Yeah. For him to get knocked out like that in a fight that he was winning. There ain't no way that Kamaru Usman walks away with that being the last memory you have of him. Yeah. The eyes glazed over, looking like he'd just seen a ghost, knocked out cold in the octagon. Not a chance. The Mm -hmm. trilogy fight, if they really commit to Wembley, it's going to be a massive payday. (sighs) That's one thing right there. Yeah. And then number two, just for the ego. I mean, you... You can't for a guy that you feel you know Kamaru's like I know I'm better than this guy, I yeah. beat him easily the first time or handedly however you want to say it, and the second time I was beating handedly before he just caught me. You know you gotta know there's some fire left to just get it back, and yeah. then he's done. I don't think he. I think that's the only fight left for him. So. Yeah. It's not a big difference than what you're saying. I mean, I'm thinking he's got one fight left and then he retires. But let's be honest, a pretty big loser that we're overlooking in this whole thing, because Kamaru's the biggest loser, right? He lost his belt. He lost, you know, he was on these streaks that I don't think he was ever really chasing the GSP title defense record. Like, I looked at it. If he won here, I thought he could have been done as well. Yeah. The biggest loser, though, if you go outside of Kamaru, is Hamzat Chemaev. I mean, Hamzat was pretty much being set up with that Nate Diaz matchup to win probably in dominant fashion. And then he would jump right into to the title fight, whether it be for a vacant title against Leon or Colby or Jorge, whoever, Gilbert, whatever it might be. Now he's probably going to have to wait, Dom, maybe a year before he gets a title fight because – with Kamaru and Leon doing a trilogy fight, if they really commit to doing it in England, well, they already have a schedule set through January, Dana said, and then February is where they want to do Australia. We yeah, might not the... see these two run it back till March, April. Earliest. So, yeah. yeah, and then, I mean, what do you do with Hamzat in the meantime? Do you give him another fight? Do you do a rematch with Gilbert Burns? Do you do the Colby Covington fight? Mm-hmm. These are big questions now, but what – seems so obvious at one point is that Hamza could be fighting for a title beginning next year, maybe even the end of this year. If, if it was with a fresh opponent who hadn't fought in a while, uh, now that's out of the question, in my yeah. opinion, unless Usman's recovery just takes so long that they do that in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a chance, do you think there's a chance that Usman could, you know, again, he's already been after the last Colby fight. He kind of said, "I want to fight less often." 
You know, he wants to spend more time with his family. Now you take a brutal knockout, the first of your career. Uh, who's to say that in six months he wants to fight right then? So who's right. to say that they don't do at Wembley like a Leon Edwards, Hamzat Chemaev, and then the winner face Kamaru maybe a year from now? Is that something you could see happening, or is that just a little too wacky to to think? Oh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. I mean, Hamzat fights in three weeks from yesterday. Yeah, three weeks. So that's coming up, and many people expect him to come out unscathed. We'll see, obviously, how that happens. But then that puts us in the middle of September. So, I mean, yeah, he definitely won't fight again this year. But you could, I mean, he is uh, fighting out of Sweden, so that would be a big pool to have him in the U.K. Granted, it's not there, but to have him – you know, in London, in Europe, uh, headlining with Leon is still a pretty good option for the UFC, if I'm being honest. And and then if, you know, if Kamaru does retire, again, we don't know. But if he does, then obviously that just clears everything up. But there is just a lot of murkiness right now in the waters. Hamzad is the second biggest loser uh, outside of Kamaru, like you said. But I, I don't think what you said is out of the realm of possibility at all. A long layoff for Kamaru, he's... He's not in a hurry to get back, especially if he does only want one more fight to re-win the title. That could very well be a possibility. Yeah, I do have a hard time seeing him. I, I really do think that he wants to get this done, You know, whether it be him with another win and he goes off into the sunset or him ultimately losing a trilogy. I, I'm not saying he's running away from Hump, but I just don't think that that matchup is in the cards for him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess that's it for that fight, right? I guess that I think we covered all the bases there. I mean, we actually had more to say than I thought. Yeah, we did. But uh, more on 278 to come a little later. But let's talk about the PFL playoffs. Week three. This was a very uh, Europe, very uh, English-dominated combat sports weekend, really. It was. It was. Um and week three, the PFL playoffs. I've loved the PFL playoffs this year. A lot of great fights. Just, I really like what they're doing with the implementation of PFL Europe. They're kind of using these playoff weeks to sort of build anticipation and showcase fighters that are going to be big deals mm-hmm. with that new scene. But let's talk about the four playoff matchups we got, Dom. What stood out to you? What performance? What fight? What, I guess, championship matchup, since that's the headline here? Kind of what is sticking out to you that week three answered? Dude, how about Bubba Jenkins? I mean, that's got to be the biggest one for me this weekend. He came out looking to make a statement, man. I mean, this is a guy that's been in a lot of good fights, but a lot of decisions. Very decision heavy uh, during his time with the PFL. But now come out and steamroll Ryoji Kudo like he did and get a submission under two minutes, that's a way to make a statement going into uh, the championship bout. And uh, it's obviously going to be with Brendan Lockney and had a good fight himself with Chris Wade. You know, Bubba was looking for revenge on Chris Wade. I guess they were talking about how he's doing that WWW all week. We want Wade because Wade put him (laughs) out of the playoffs last year. Um, He doesn't get that wish, but... He gets his chance to fight for a million dollars regardless. I'm looking forward to it. Him and Brendan Lockname, that should be a great fight, man, especially with a rejuvenated Bubba that we haven't seen like this in the PFL yet. 
that's definitely the standout performance of this card. So I'm going to say something that could be a little bit of a hot take. Okay. You have someone who we haven't really talked about much this PFL season. Who's that? Kayla Harrison. I know, right? It's kind of crazy. It's gotten so monotonous at this yep. point. You got to go yep. in there, do Kayla Harrison shit, and walk and leave. out. <laughs> yeah. and that's what she's done. Yeah. I mean, her the the fights haven't been, you know, there hasn't been like a ton to take away. And we're sort of just waiting for the inevitable. She goes to the finals, and then we'll go from there, right? Yeah. And then obviously when she wins, we'll talk about what could be next and then <laughs> right. we'll speculate right. on Cyborg. Um, but I do want to talk about Kayla Harrison and it's not even really for the performance. It was dominant. Uh, Martina Gendrova couldn't really do anything once the fight got to the ground. Kayla's a beast. First round submission. She's the queen of women's MMA is what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, had a great post fight speech, all that. You know, just Kayla Harrison doing Kayla Harrison shit, okay? Yeah, yeah. Middletown, Ohio, stand up. That's facts. That's facts. Anyways, you know, what the narrative has been for Kayla Harrison's entire PFL career is that there's Kayla Harrison and then there's the rest of these women's lightweights and that they are all very unremarkable. They're not very high level, right? Well, it is still Kayla Harrison's a level above everybody. But I think this version of Larissa Pacheco, who I know Kayla has beat twice, I think a win over her says more than the rest, if, if you will. Yes. Like, I think that a win over this version of Larissa Pacheco is a notable win moving forward. Yes. Like when, you, when you see her resume later down the road and she's fighting like Chris Cyborg, it'll say notable wins. Larissa Pacheco should be a name at this point. But next I would time. agree. Because Larissa Pacheco has looked fantastic whenever she's not fighting Kayla Harrison. But <laughs> Literally, there's, been yeah. a, there's been a new wrinkle added this season. She is more patient. She She's more selective with her shots. Not as wild, not as mm-hmm. uh, just uh, messy, I guess, in, in her offense. But she's still getting quick finishes. I mean, she's really turned a new page and become just a more complete offensive fighter. And she's dangerous, man. I mean, I really think that Kayla Harrison should and will win that final matchup. But I think this is going to be the toughest fight for her to date. And again, I know it's someone she's beat twice, but sometimes, Dom, if you want me to compare this to team sports, in the NFL, for example, you ever see like those uh, teams that are in the division, You know, they beat, they play each other twice in the regular season, one team wins both times, and then they get matched up in the playoffs. And you always hear how hard it is to beat the same team three times. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of the same thing here. Kayla Harrison feels like she has an understanding of who Larissa Pacheco is. Even said when asked about her in her post-fight speech, nothing has changed in that matchup to her. I hope that she's just you know playing it up for the mics because if she goes in there with that mindset, it could get a little interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with everything you said. I mean, Larissa has won five straight fights via first-round knockout. That is impressive. I don't care who she's fighting. Um, and the, the IQ of her has began to uh, or continue to evolve. She is fighting smarter. But when she lands, it hurts. It hurts these girls, man. And she capitalizes on it once she hurts them. So part of me does just want to see... 
you know, obviously we're Kayla Homer. She's from yeah, the we're state. Big, She's big Kayla our, fans. Yeah, not even even the state, but like our just area where we're from. You know, Man. down the road from us. She's repping. But part of me wants to see: Can she get through adversity? She's never faced any adversity, really. Yeah, she's went the distance a few times. Oh, damn. You know, that's the hardest <laughs> that she's had to do. I want to see if she can take a shot and keep coming forward and still get a win. And I think we're going to see her get that opportunity come the mm. PFL Championships, Noah. I do. Let me ask you, do you feel like in her in her, what the hell is going on here? In her... <laughs> sort of uh chase for or, or the, her asking for a bigger fight with you know chris cyborg the obvious one but then amanda nunez whoever um do you think it would benefit her to face a little bit of that adversity like i get it how people would look at it right the way kayla's talked if she goes See? into the championships yeah. and larissa knocks her down or tags her a few times you know it, it almost in a way makes me wonder if a fighter like Chris Cyborg will be like, see, I don't need yeah. to take this fight. Look, it, she's not even that good. And fans would but, do it too. Yeah. But I also wonder if, since we sort of value that win more, would that benefit her in her preparation for a fight with one of the big dogs like Chris Cyborg? Because she's faced the adversity a little bit. You know, She's been hit with a hard shot and been like, oh, okay, I know how I need to... Yeah you know defend myself next time but also if i get stung like that get hurt like that what i need to do afterwards do you get what i'm saying yeah and i I genuinely think her going through a situation like that would been obviously should she win the fight afterward of course that would that would benefit her to go just to just face some sort of difficulty in one of these fights but it's a double-edged sword i love the point you made because fans and other, you know, Cyborg, Amanda, whoever the case may be, will probably look at it and be like, all right, well, when I tag you, I'm not going to let you get away with it. They're going to almost just downplay. Really, it's kind of a slight to Larissa Pacheco if you do it that way. But <laughs> yeah, um, it is. I, 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 me, as a hardcore fan that wants to see Kayla fight the best of the best, I don't want it to be all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. I want it to be a little thunderstorm here or there. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Let us know. That's a great question that Noah just asked, and I would love to get people's opinions on that and what you would think. Do you want to see Kayla face adversity? Do you want it to be all flawless and then fight a cyborg, yeah, fight Amanda, whatever, you know? It's a tough, th- it's a tough thing to ask because if you know, if you're a fan of Kayla and you know that she, if, if you, like, were able to see into the future – and you could see her just steamroll Cyborg. Well, you're obviously going to pick for her to just steamroll all of her opponents. Yeah. But do you think that potentially her getting tagged, getting a little bit wobbled or uh, pieced up or knocked down by Pacheco could help her in her preparation for yeah. a higher-level fighter like Cyborg? Um, I tend to lean yes. I think that those are important traits you know, to know how to face the fire, how to come back. I think that's important, you know? Yeah, yeah, very much agree. One last thing I want to talk about for PFL before we move on. I thought the Brendan Lockney and Chris Wade fight was great. And I, the fight itself was very good. Brendan Lockney sort of, you know, he kind of took the momentum into the rounds two and three, sort of made it... Uh, 
a little more one not one sided. I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Like it was maybe not as comp- round one was very competitive, and it felt like the rest of the fight was more lock names to lose at that point. But I just want to respect both guys for really going for it in the build up. They really made this fight feel like a big deal, and it delivered. The action mm-hmm. in the cage was very fun to watch. Uh, Lochnane, biggest win of his PFL career, of his career in general. And he's kind of making good on that promise that a lot of people had seen in him for a long time. So, Yeah, I love it. So him, and Bubba's, yeah, him and Bubba's going to be fun, man. I, I think yeah. so. Let's move on into our tidbit. Tidbits. Tidbits. Only one yeah. this week. Yeah. BKFC 27. Mm. Dominic's favorite event of the weekend saw Mike Perry get the majority decision win over Michael Venom Page, who was on loan from Bellator. Um, I know, I know you said you didn't really watch this, but how surprised were you to hear that Mike Perry defeated uh, MVP? I, I shouldn't be as surprised as I probably was because anything seems to happen over there in Bare Knuckle, and Mike Perry. <laughs> He has had one prior bare knuckle before this, right? He made his debut. Yeah, he beat uh, he beat Julian Lane. The oh me yeah, bang, let me bang, bro. Yeah, so Mike, uh, they had a little build up on MMA Hour and stuff. I saw, and they were trying to make it a big deal, and it was a fun little fight. Michael Page coming over from Bellator, big name. I was surprised that Mike Perry won this because you would think just on paper, Michael Page is just the better striker. And but you made great points off recording, and I'll let you touch on here if you want. But, but like. His style may not be the best for kind of bare knuckle, and maybe that's why Mike Perry did get the nod in this fight. Yeah, I don't know how I didn't see that before. I think it's just because I'm not like a avid BKFC viewer. But mm-hmm. once I started watching, I was like, because I, I started watching in the co-main, and I was like, man, that's a tiny cage or uh, ring, excuse yeah. me. And I know that's the point. They want more action, so it's a smaller ring, and they start them very close when the round starts. So it's supposed to create more action, right? And I didn't say I don't know why I didn't see that coming, but that's like a huge detriment to MVP style. He is not that he, you know, he's an exciting fighter at times. Very just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Electric on the feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy's Mm -hmm. very exciting to watch at times, but with the small ring, he's a long guy, got long limbs. He keeps a he keeps a very wide base in his stance, long stance. He keeps his hands low and he simply tries to pick his shots that way. And I, I just felt like it was kind of to his detriment in this fight. At least at first. Like when Mike Perry dropped him, it was because I mean, you know, they're much closer than he would let guys get in the Bellator ring or Bellator mm-hmm. cage, excuse me. I'm mixing up the right. cages. Yeah. Yeah. So much to remember. Um, but, you know, Mike Perry was able to catch him with a good shot. And, you know, yeah. Mike Perry's built for this kind of shit. Man. Yeah. This is BKFC. Um, I was, in a way, I felt like the right guy won. Like, I know a lot of people, I think there's an argument that MVP should have got the victory because I guess if, if BKFC, if both guys' hands hit the mat, like if he gets not dropped, but if he gets hit with a shot, both hands touch the mat. That's supposed to be a knockdown. Mm, okay. And that happened 
in the second round, I believe, MVP did that to Mike Perry, but it was ruled a slip. Mm. But it was pretty clearly a shot that put him down like that. If that happens and the judges score at a 10-8, then MVP wins the fight outright. But it's not. So it ends up going to a draw, Dom. Can you believe it? A draw. Right. In high-level combat sports, say it ain't so. Yeah, I know, right? But the coolest thing that I had no idea about BKFC, you got my man getting on the mic. He's like, it has been ruled a draw. And people kind of start booing. Hmm. And then he's like, so that means it's time yeah. for sudden death. And I was like, whoa. It reminded me of like dodgeball where <laughs> like your foot was over the line. Sudden death. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. So that's what I that's what I was thinking of. I was like, "Oh shit, we're going to round six. Yeah. So BKFC pulling out all the stops here, and then Mike Perry gets it done in round six. So uh, MVP's face was very busted up. Like you never see him like look like that at the end. Yeah. Um. Again, it's not really our cup of tea. I said I'd give it a chance because I was interested in the main event. It was fine. Um. Uh, didn't feel like the crowd was all that into it. And maybe that had more to do with the production side. Like, I don't feel like the production of this show was mm. really capturing the the excitement of the crowd. Or yeah. It felt very small, like, in its presentation. And for BKFC, I feel like they've done some interesting things. They're kind of embracing being this, like, black eye of combat sports. Yeah, they know uh, their better, niche, right? For we better just... or worse, right? Yeah. You know, you don't want people dying in the, the ring like they've had. But, you know, I do think some of the guys they have, they're building around or having their uh, promotion, you know, the Julian Lanes, the Mike Perrys, the Hector Lombards, the Tiago Alvezes. I think it's pretty cool to give those guys a second life, you know, in combat sports. It's... yeah. I'm all for it in that way. So if they have more interesting matchups in the future, I'll probably check it out. Paige Van Zandt, when she fights next, maybe I'll check it out, right? There you go. Let's get on into some fight announcements, Dom. There was some big ones dropping on us. Uh, there is a nice little chunk here. We can, um, let's start with one that Dana White himself confirmed last night during his post-fight press conference. We had been hearing uh, via Ariel Hawani, he had dropped this little nugget a couple days ago that the UFC weren't, I guess, very impressed with the uh, pay-per-view buys of UFC 279 as it stood. So they felt like they needed to kind of bolster up the card a little bit. There was some sort of weird matchup, out-of-left-field matchup being kind of hinted at where a fighter would be making a weight class change. Well, that fight turns out to be Tony Ferguson moving up to welterweight to take on the leech, Lee mm. Jing Liang. Definitely a matchup I didn't see coming. Yeah. But I'm curious, Dom, now that it's made, are you kind of a advocate for this fight, or do you feel like it's almost um, just not a good fight for one or both of these guys? Mm. It's got my attention. It does. Mm. Um, with Tony's hinted for a while at 170. He, wants to, he wanted to dabble, play around, see how he mm. felt, his body and whatnot. How much of a future does he have left at lightweight after everything he's went through? I kind of like the move for him here. He's not cutting extra weight, right? He's going up, doesn't have to cut more weight. He uh, went to, um, oh, shit. He went to the oh, camp Jackson at John Jones. Yes, Jackson Wink, thank you. He made a camp change, which I think is 
very interesting. I haven't heard of any big name athletes going to there. They just have always kind of kept the same people. Yeah. But now that he's there, maybe that'll add a couple wrinkles in his game. Not that he has like an exponential amount of fights left, but him and Li Jingliang on paper, that's a fan friendly fight. That's an interesting <laughs> fight. Li Jingliang brings the boom. He brings the power. That worries me a little bit for mm. Tony. Um, but if Tony's chin holds up 15 more pounds heavier, this could be quite the scrap. Now, what do you think? Yeah, I was pretty shocked by the announcement. It, it really was. It is out of left field. I mean, it is as advertised. Yeah. I can't help but feel like the UFC were pretty desperate for a decent-sized co-main event. <laughs> yeah. And I, think, I feel like a lot of guys were turning it down probably because of how quick – short notice this was going to be mm-hmm. so then you get this like frankenstein's monster fight of tony ferguson versus the leech i expect fun things i do <laughs> yeah i'll be curious to see how tony looks at 170 that's where he won the ultimate fighter back in the day oh yeah um but he's going up against a big guy i mean that's a big 170 pounder and and leech is Yanger. thick man yeah, yeah and, and he does carry a lot of power there's a lot of calls for concern, but also maybe Tony will have some sort of speed advantage. Will uh, just have a good movement. You know, the leech a bit more stationary. I don't know. It's uh, it's got my interest. Um, I like. I kind of been enjoying. Like, I didn't love the Hamzat Diaz announcement, but this fight, this Tony Leech fight, and then like the Sean O'Malley Peter Yan fight. Like, I'm kind of liking these out of left field. Yeah fights that the UFC are putting together for the most part. So yeah. if that means we're going to get more of this kind of stuff, I'm not against it. It keeps us on our toes. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that is for sure. Uh, how about October 1st? This was confirmed via the Instagram of Biggie Boy, Jairzinho Rosenstroik. He sits at number nine in your heavyweight top 15. He's going up against the man right below him, Chris Dawkus, ranked at number 10. Uh, Dawkins has had a pretty tough last year, back-to-back main events that he lost, including UFC Columbus, shout-out. Yeah. Uh, while Rosenstroik, I'm not even sure. He he was in – he lost his last fight to Volkov, first-round finish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So both guys coming off losses. I'm just going to say it like I, I said it about – the uh, Hermanson fight that got announced last on our last episode. He was with Bronson. Manson, Bronson. I really am nervous. This is going to be made a main event on October first, and I just this ain't a main event. It's not. It's one of those that hey makes sense. Nine versus ten, fresh matchup, cool. But there's no storylines. There's no need to see him do the five round thing. We've seen him in there before and not come out on top of it. So why? just do that when you can have them as a three-round co-main and have a bigger more important main event yeah and both guys coming off losses like yeah don't get me yeah. wrong like i was a propo- i thought it was great when Dawkins got the main event spot against lewis yeah and then when he was in the main event against curtis blades it was kind of like hmm mm-hmm. like curtis blades you can maybe put here but i don't really see why you put Dawkins in this place so if they do it again <laughs> with biggie yeah. boy who also has been wearing thin on his main event slots it's just like I, oh wait it just came to me that main event is um mckenzie dern and yan jown on so i was yeah. actually looking it up while we're talking it just clicked I was curious. Just now yeah. so okay that's the main event which okay. that that note itself is kind of a we i think we know. even said that when that fight got announced that it was a bit... <laughs> that one's uh 
that one's an interesting main event. I'm not exactly big on that one either. But since we do know this won't be the main event, I like the fight. I mean, yeah. I do. It's yeah. a it's a good fight for both guys about trying to bounce back. Um, don't really have anything to say besides that, though. That's all you can say. But I'm glad we could work through that problem <laughs> yeah. on air. Yes, I love that. Next up, Ariel Hawani first reporting. Carla Esparza will be making the first defense of her strawweight title the second time, her second reign as strawweight champion. And she'll do so at Madison Square Garden, November 12th, UFC 281, against a woman who's uh, pretty familiar with MSG, and that's Zhang Wei Li. So Zhang Wei Li, the former strawweight champion herself, she uh, lost at MSG. It'll be about a year from when this fight happens in her immediate rematch against Rose Namajunas, the woman who took the belt from her. And here we are a year later, and Carla's beat Rose for the belt. Now Zhang Wei Li's right back in title uh, contention after her knockout of Joanna Jacek. Um Expectations, early expectations. I know we'll preview the fight when it comes time, but... Early expectations for this fight. Is it going to be better than Carla Rose? Yeah, they, so they rolled. They confirmed it on the broadcast last night. After mm-hmm. they talked about 279, they showed a little graphic for this. as the co-main. And I immediately looked to our buddy JP, and I'm like, so this one won't be boring, right? I kind of just <laughs> did the same question um, that you just asked me. I just feel like Zhang Wei Li's style won't allow for it to be that way. Like, mm-hmm. Rose has never been one to just, like, sprint out at people she's a counter striker but can be in fun fights when they're bringing it to her but the problem was carla didn't bring it to rose in that fight and rose didn't bring it to her because she was waiting to counter so a lot of respect yes too much respect if you if i'm being honest and so that fight was terrible but this one i did zhang wei li man never been in a boring fight i don't know how she maybe she'll be obviously respectful of the takedowns but Man, I feel like she's pretty good on the ground nowadays, too, Zhang is. I mean, you saw what she did to Joanna. She was kind of just ragdolling Joanna in that fight. So I think she's going to bring it. I think this will be a bit more exciting. Yeah. MMA math would tell you that Carlos Barza <laughs> should win this fight, right? She's beaten Rose <laughs> yeah. twice, right? who beat Zhang Weili twice. Yeah. Yet, I can't help but look at this and go, man, poor Carla. And that's the way – I'm sorry. I just – that's the way I'm looking at it. Like – Carla won the title, but did she really win the title like she did? But it was such a just weird anomaly of a fight where neither woman really did anything. Yeah. Carla admittedly has been on a great run. You know, she looked fantastic against Jan Jelnan. Didn't see that coming, the way she put that one together. But outside of that, she's really been kind of squeaking by a lot of wins. She uses her great wrestling, and it is great. But hasn't really... Outside of that Zhao Nan win, the offense, you know, her ground and pound has never really been yeah. that um, doesn't really put a lot of a hurt on her opponents. You right. Know, doesn't it? There's not a lot there. Zhang Wei Li's just a fucking savage, man. I just, yeah. Yeah. I can't help, but when I look at this, I highly favor the, the challenger. I, just, I wonder what the odds are going to be on this opening. I mean, up. you I'm know curious. Zhang Wei Li's going to be the favorite. No I would question. imagine. Maybe no even question. significant, I, I think. I would say it would be I, – I, and I'm Carla could go in there. I mean, she shocked us by winning the belt in the first place. Yeah. She could shock us again, but you're right. I think Zhang Wei Li's never been in a boring fight. She's high pressure, high output. 
I don't see Carla necessarily. Like, can Carla really take her down and hold her down? I mean, John Wei Lee's going to have a huge. Just, I feel like she's going to be a much stronger mm-hmm. fighter. Like, it's doesn't feel like a great matchup for Carla. If I'm being honest with you. Yes or no? Will Zhang Wei Li opening odds be more than two to one favorite? Because I think yes. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking they're... like minus two fifty range. Yeah, I was like minus two twenty five, two fifty something. Yeah. 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 But what do I know? We'll talk. About <laughs> yeah. No shit. Um. Let's see. Uh, last one. MMA Woo! Junkie first reporting. Brad Rydell looking. He's in desperate need of a win here, Dom. And he's taking on a man who seems to finally be kind of putting it all together. Hinato Moicano. This is also UFC 281, November 12th. <laughs> MSG. This fight's going to go a little under the radar. But oh, man. this is an amazing fight. Two guys who deserve a lot of respect for the performances they put on. Rydell's been on a bit of a skid, though. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back losses. Jalen Turner really put him the hurt yeah. on him. Before that, he had a great fight with Rafael Fazayev. Um, and now look at what Fazayev's done, just coming off his win over RDA. While Hinato Moicano did get battered by RDA in his last fight, which that is something he has to come back from. But you look at what he was doing before that. The win over Alexander Hernandez at UFC 271 was... I mean, that was like, okay, Hanato Moicano's point putting it together now. Yeah, yeah. So be, it's really interesting to see how these guys will bounce back because they're so fun to watch, but both in real need of a win here. Yeah, I couldn't put it any better than what you just did. That's that's firefight. That's fireworks. And it's in MSG. Come on now. Come on. The, the 280, 281 stacking up. Yeah, man. Time. It's big two months in a row back to back. Yeah, let's get into the rest. And this is going to be all UFC 278, your co-main event. It, it did happen. What didn't, the hell was this fight, I, really? <laughs> like, I said, I thought, it was the night before the fight, and I said, guys, you're stupid. This fight isn't yeah. going to happen. Right, right. So it did happen. Paulo Costa <laughs> ultimately gets the unanimous decision win over Luke Rockhold. This fight did get fight of the night, by the way. Yeah. Um, that I'll start there. Did you did you like this fight? Like, did you enjoy watching this fight? I don't know what I felt about this fight. This it did deserve fight of the night though. On a card that had a lot of duds, this was definitely a standout portion mm-hmm. of the fight. Along with how the main event ended, obviously, it was just crazy. It was fucking crazy. It was good. It was bad. It was weird. It was wacky. I mean, Luke Rockhold looked like he was ready to just faint because of his tiredness then he'd come out and throw a left hand and fucking shoot the uh, paulo costa five feet backward i mean this had everything and then the ending the last 15 seconds luke all the blood and just uh, rubbing it all over paulo costa's face and paulo's like yeah he's smiling i'm like it couldn't have ended any better than that right there paulo gets the win paulo gets the nod he clearly did win but holy shit it didn't come easy i guess i mean did it come easy it did, no, but it didn't come easy. So. <laughs> was, know, what I, did you think, man? This fight was just all over the place. When you take these two guys with the personalities they have, yeah, this is what you're gonna get. I guess <laughs> it was. It was a great display of heart from both. That's I think for sure. both guys deserve a lot of respect. 
let's be honest. It was pretty sloppy. It was sloppy. It was yeah, pretty I forgot sloppy. That word. Yeah. Sloppy is probably the best word to describe it. Not exactly. Even though it was fight of the night, it was like, I almost feel like it's almost a backhanded compliment to give it fight of the night. It was like, well, it was the craziest fight of the night. Yeah. But it was crazy almost for reasons that don't all the exactly wrong make reasons. It. Yeah, like all the wrong reasons, right? <laughs> like, to me, as a better Apollo Costa by finish, the fact that Luke Rockhold made it through this fight is like a travesty. Yeah. I mean, his chin held up. I'll give yeah, him that. Yeah, it did. Didn't expect the altitude to play such a factor for him. I mean, after five minutes, he looked like he could barely stand. He was it so was bad. Yeah, he was trying to put hands on the on the knees in round two. And mm-hmm. I felt like Apollo just really put together some combinations, like really overwhelmed him with the pressure. I thought he could put him away. Yeah, but Apollo didn't do that. And then he would leave his guard down, and Rockhold would land a very powerful left hand yeah. or a crazy spinning kick. I'm his like, body kicks on point. I'm like, this man is about to pass out in the cage, and yet he's throwing these high, yeah, like these high they were landing kicks. Too. Yeah. Um. So really, neither guy. I don't necessarily come out of this fight, but let's say I mean Luke Rockhold retires here, so right. his career is likely over, assuming he doesn't come back. And both guys don't come out of this looking better in terms of their future. Like Paulo Costa doesn't exactly inspire me for his future, but for this moment, this fight, this night, my hat goes off to both of them because they. They're, they've not been, um, they've not been in the best place in the last few years, right? I mean, yeah. the Luke Rockhold stuff has been highly documented. You know, he's always been kind of a cocky, mm-hmm. you know, fighter. He gets knocked out by Michael Bisping, one of the biggest upsets of all time in a title fight. Um, follow that up with two of his next three fights ending via vicious, vicious knockout. With uh, Yoel Romero and Jan Blahovic had his jaw broken too. <laughs> jaw broken by Blahovic, he goes on a three-year layoff. Um, had multiple surgeries, injuries that held him out for that long. His chin had been obviously cracked three times, and he comes back here and look. It, he didn't look great, but I mean, he. I mean, I was about as. I don't. I don't know what to say. Like. He it said they had it thirty twenty seven across the board, but you could have scored this. You could have gave him a round. I mean, he yeah he legitimately like in terms of his um, stamina didn't have much. You know, mm-hmm. I think that shows a guy out of the cage for three years hadn't really been able to put in that kind of work, that cardio, and you're fighting at the altitude and in, mm-hmm. in um, Salt Lake City, but. The skill he showed, I think he still showed he had a lot left in terms of his skill. Yeah. You know, very powerful, um, fought pretty smart at times. Again, before he really got gassed, uh, landed really clean shots, fought like even when he did start to gas out, he would like really bait. Uh, he did a good job of baiting Paulo Costa to kind of drop his guard and then yep. throw in a crazy powerful punch and landing. Um. Paulo Costa, his struggles have been well documented as well. He had that title uh, shot performance against Izzy that didn't go very well. He 
blamed it on wine and stuff. It was, you know, really the personality started to come out for Paulo then that this dude's a bit cuckoo. <laughs> and then you had the whole fight with Marvin Vittori to lead up. It ends up being at, what, 20 pounds heavier than it was scheduled? Or was it at 190? It was at 205, right? It happened at 205, yeah. but it was good. It was at 185, then like 195, and then they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot of weird stuff there. He looks good in the fight against Vittori. It's a great fight. but It was a great fight. Weird. A lot of people kind of writing off Paulo, and here he is. He looked pretty solid. Just didn't see. I, I think there's a lot of questions about Paulo's power at this point. You know, he yeah. gets a lot of credit for his, like, one-punch power. But he's never really knocked anybody out cold if you look at his career. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a lot of TKOs. Um, he's a big guy. He's a explosive guy. But the power in his hands doesn't seem to be all that devastating. I mean, here with Luke, he landed some shots, but Luke, for the most part, was okay. So yep. I think that's a question mark moving forward. And Dominic, I guess to wrap up my rambling, Luke Rockhold retires. This was the last fight of Paulo Costa's UFC contract. Oh. So I'm going to ask you about Luke Rockhold. He retires. He was the bad guy for a long time. He was probably one of the most hated fighters in the company for years now. Kind of goes out a good guy, right? Um, Yeah, it did kind of feel like this whole week he continued that bad guy with the media and everything. But then it comes to an end. He gets that final swan song, and it just felt right. You know, like, all right, he's done. You see the genuine... Or at least I imagine the sadness. type of guy that he is, you know, and the sadness that overcame him. The hug with DC got me. That was a good moment. So, yeah, I mean, underrated career, honestly, if I had to be. I mean, he was a strike force champion, a middleweight champion. This is the first time, guys, that he went the distance in a fight in 10 years. He's always been a finisher or getting finished. So it was a, an odd, but dare I say, perfect swan song. It really was. It really was. It was very fitting, you know, just for yeah. it to be as wet. It's very memorable, right? That's yeah, the that's best way that for can sure. Be described. Um, yeah, he had a career that's sort of, it's def- in in its way, it's defined for me. It's it's kind of a tragic career in a lot of ways. Um, he looked at one point to just be like the future of MMA. Yeah. I mean, you look at his win over Chris Weidman, and when he was going into that Bisping fight. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a long-standing champion. I mean, Chris Weidman had been a long-standing champion, and he kind of pummeled him after the Mm -hmm. initial couple rounds. Um, Then he gets knocked out. He just never seemed to really be able to bounce back. Yeah, he had the win over David Branch, but you follow that up with the Yoel and Vlahovic fights and a lot of the injuries and maybe even personal struggles he was having. Yeah, um, I know he mentioned giving up alcohol for this training camp. So who knows what kind of personal demons he had as a result or not a result mm-hmm. of all these kind of trials building up in his career. Um, so it's a bit tragic, but I do think he he should be able to look back and be proud of the career he had. Former UFC middleweight champion, yeah, um, former Strike Force middleweight champion. Yeah, you know he he it's a who could say that? Very few can say that they've been a two promotion champion and been a UFC champion. So um, my hat goes off to Luke Rockhold. He was the bad guy for a long time. He walks away. 
somewhat of a of a good guy at the end, you know. How about that? Now for Paulo Costa, this is interesting. My immediate reaction is that he's probably going to sign back with the UFC. I think the UFC, especially after Dana's comments recently, feel like they really got burned on the Shane Burgos situation. Yeah. If the Shane Burgos situation doesn't happen, I think there's a real chance Paulo Costa gets signed by like the PFL. I do. He's an exciting fighter. He's got an interesting personality. He's got the look of someone who you could really build around. And yet, I just think that I hear a dog barking. I'm like, losing my train of thought. But basically, I think with the Shane Burgos situation unfolding, I think that the UFC are going to be very hesitant to let a guy like that go without being very aggressive in negotiations. What do you think? See, it's in, well, when we had that big discussion about Shane Burgos, we kind of opened the floor. Is this, or we asked the, we posed the question, will this open the door for other fighters in his kind of caliber? Contenders, legit top 15 guys, but they're not fighting for a title right now or maybe ever. It depends. Paulo has, obviously, but you get my drift. Now, the thing is, PFL, I mean, I guess I'm not even giving Bellator a shadow of a doubt here. They're in the running, too, I suppose. But the PFL doesn't have a middleweight division for their season. I just season. realized that. Yeah. But we know that Paulo can be a 205-er, and he could compete in their 205-pound um, season, if you ask me. So, I don't know. I think there will be competitive offers from Bellator and like the likes of PFL. Because if the, if the imagine the PFL got Burgos and Paulo Costa, that'd be crazy shit right there. That they'd be dropping their dick on the table to finish 2022. But uh, is it crazy? I, I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for the PFL to do it again, man. Like I'm not opposed to having more competition and getting better guys that are in their primes in these other promotions, especially. The PFL, but I do think that, you know, the second half of your question was, did the UFC learn from losing Shane Burgos? Because we know Dana expressed a lot of disappointment in losing Shane Burgos. You got to think if they really do want Costa for his fun fight style, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be willing to not make the same mistake that they made with Shane Burgos. So I think it's a great question. Gut feeling. I think he's back in the UFC, but. You never know. I mean, I thought Shane Burgos' gut feeling was going to be back in the UFC, and now he's in the PFL next year. So we'll find I'm out. I'm kind of rooting for the PFL to do it. I mean, I, I hate to not just not include Bellator, but PFL's the one with the momentum. They seem to be wanting to spend the money. There's some rumors that Bellator might be for sale right now, so maybe they're not trying to spend a lot of money. I don't know. Wowzers. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But next fight. Mayrab Jualishwi Lee gets the biggest win of his career with the unanimous decision win over Jose Aldo. Uh, this is probably one of the most disappointing fights of the year for me. Is, is yeah. that similar to how you felt? Very disappointed. This was the fight I was looking forward to most, really, on paper. Coming, into We this said card. the people's main event on Thursday. Yeah, sure. and it... I, I mean, I don't know. Do I look back and think, oh, well, you should have expected something like this? I don't know. Maybe, guys. Maybe. Sue me. But... I don't know, man. Like, I just felt like Marab was going to come in and just kind of look to steamroll Jose. Easier said than done, obviously. But Jose didn't really do much of anything, so they kind of just... I mean, Marab won because of octagon control and having Jose's back against the fence. I mean, 
There was like no action in this fight. It's so disappointing. Marab could have really came in and, you know, we talked about this Bantamweight Grand Prix the other day after what Marlon Vera did last week. And Marab, yes, he gets the biggest win of his career, but doesn't really up his stakes in this division right now with everything going on. And with three more huge fights to go, he could be the afterthought after October finishes up out of those top five. So, I don't know. It was just disappointing. Happy for him. Eight straight wins. Sucks to see Jose lose when he was one away from a title more than likely, but just disappointing it was. I have so many scattered thoughts on this one. Um, disappointing for Jose to just not really let go with the hands. That's never seemed to be a problem for him. I don't know why it was here. It was one of the most, it was one of the best displays of defense I've ever seen. Yeah. There was just no bite. There was no offense to to yeah. back it up. Um, what Marab went zero for something on his takedowns. I mean, he had never yeah. not even in the Dodson fight where he struggled to get takedowns. He got two. Yeah. And here he couldn't get any. I mean, that's a feat in of itself. Uh, Marab did what he had to do to win. I don't think people should, you know, be too harsh on him, but. What we said, I stand by. When Marlon Vera did what he did to Dominic Cruz, what both those guys went in and did in San Diego, the yeah. you could tell they really wanted to to earn the respect of the company, like put us in a title fight. Yeah, Vera comes out with a highlight reel knockout. We said the pressure was on. These two guys kind of squandered under the pressure. Yep, yep. Um, but I feel like for Jose is particularly squandering because I think he all he needed to do was win and he could have got the title fight. Yeah, yeah. And he just didn't really show up in the way that he had as of late. While for my Rob, I felt like he was the biggest long shot with the victory to get that title shot. Not to mention, he said it in his post-fight speech. He said it every step of the way. He's refusing to fight Aljamain Sterling, who was in his corner uh, yeah. Longtime training partners, uh, great friends, obviously. Um, Dana even mentioned this in the post-fight uh, presser. You know, Marav has no interest in fighting for the title as long as Al Jermaine yeah. is there. So for him, this is the biggest win of his career, and it's a good one in, 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 the, in the opponent. But I don't think it bothers him really that it doesn't move him that much ahead because – He's not interested in fighting for a title right now, which I do. Something has to give with that eventually, especially if he keeps winning and Aljo keeps on holding that title. But to me, they have to have an understanding. Like they have to know. I mean, Marab has mentioned going to 125 before, which would be really interesting. Like a fight with him and Askar Askarov, like that would be crazy. Yeah. But um, is it raining outside? I think it's raining it is outside. supposed to rain today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I lost power for like 30 seconds yesterday. It was really crazy. A little quick flash. I was just sitting there and it all went out and I was like, hmm, well, this isn't good. Because <laughs> my phone was on like 18%. Pay per view started in an hour. I'm like, oh boy. Um, but, anyways, I just, I think they have to have some understanding. Like, Aljo probably doesn't have many fights left. Um, dare I say, when he lo- if or when he loses the title, he may be done at that point. And then that's why Marab's not all that stressing out about, you know, when it's going to be his time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's interesting. We'll see how this continues to play out in this division. The next one up is uh, San Hagen Song Yudong, September 17th. So we'll see. But this one, I mean, these both of them are, I mean, Marab the winner. So he's obviously in second place right now behind Marlon Vera. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I could see a, a Marab Marlon Vera fight that could be very. Uh, yeah, I mean, if push comes to shove, good. yeah, that could very much be a good fight for sure. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that Yadong and Sanhagen won't deliver. I, I feel like that could be a special fight. I do. I feel like that can be a really sick fight. Yeah, next up, poor Harry Hunsucker's got to be... My goodness. they got to take a break from putting this guy up against the Samoan Aussies because that's three UFC fights, three losses to that. Tai Tuivasa, was it Justin Taffa, and now oh, yeah. Tyson Pedro... Gets the one minute five second TKO of Harry Hunsucker, who's making his light heavyweight debut. Um, Tyson Pedro looked really good here. I mean, I think that's what a lot of us expected. I don't really know what the long term plan is. I sort of, I, I was kind of hard on this matchup going in, admittedly. Like, I kind of said I didn't get it coming off of the Ike villain to wave a fight. Like, why do you give Harry Hunsucker? to Tyson Pedro here. But then I sort of softened my stance on it when it was time to go. I was kind of like, well, Harry Hunsucker, you know, has never been in a fight outside the first round. Like, he's kind of a killer be killed. Um, Tyson Pedro hadn't fought in a long time before his last fight. He's a younger guy. I think he's like 30 or something. Like, yeah. you kind of let him, you know, get his feet back under him. Like, I... I know the UFC doesn't do that a lot, and I think that's why it sticks out so bad when they do. Yeah. Because you kind of look at this matchup and you're like, why? Yeah. But I think it's just no disrespect to Harry Huntsucker, Kentucky's finest neighboring state, you know, between mm -hmm. me and Dom. But the fact that he was on the pay-per-view, um, the pay-per-view is not like, a, that's not a good thing <laughs> like yeah harry hunsucker's an early prelim fighter who's being put on this pay-per-view main card i just think it was a sign of a weak card to have a guy like that and in a women's fight we didn't discuss like wu yanan and you know lucy putalova looked good but yeah. wu yanan who i sent you you know the that the was crazy fighter, she's and that's been a that's been a thing with China, man. They yeah. unfortunately, I think they just have less opportunities to fight higher level competition. I think so. So you get yeah. a lot of that, but the UFC is not doing them any service by like fast tracking them to the UFC when they don't really they're not ready. Right. And um, you saw with Wu Yanan, who had never fought a fighter better than one and zero before making her UFC debut, and with her loss, I think she's one and five in the UFC now. So yeah. Um, but here with like. It's a good win for Pedro. He comes out looking good, but like, what can you really say besides that? Yeah, I mean, give him a step up. That's you have to yeah. now. There's no more of these types of matchups. Give him some. It's the dude. It's light heavyweight. It's not even the <laughs> deepest division. If you really believe in this guy, let's not fuck around anymore. He's just got two first round finishes. You you put him on the main card both times. All right. I mean, hell, if you have to, give him number fifteen. I don't even know who it is, but let's go. If you're gonna push and look for something with pedro we don't need more matchups like this so yeah i mean it doesn't have to be and i love 15. the guy too 
Yeah, yeah like, I mean, it, to go from Harry Hunsucker to top 15 is just... I know, it sounds crazy. big jump. <laughs> but, I mean, he does seem to be well above this caliber, the Eichmann, yeah. the Wavas, and Harry Hunsucker. So, whoever he fights next, it should be close to... Yes. Closer. I mean, I felt like going from Ike to Harry was at best a lateral move and probably not even a lateral yeah. move. It was probably more of a step backwards. It's so I think the next one should be a pretty giant leap forward. Yes, please. Now let's talk about the fight that got moved from our main card. And while mm-hmm. I want to like be up in arms about that because the fight that, you know, Lucy Pudilova, Wu Yaman, I didn't felt like had, I felt like this fight was more important but then the fight happened. Marcin Tibera gets the majority decision win over Alexander Romanov. Hard to really defend this one getting moved from the main card, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Unfortunately. How, how, are you, how are you feeling? Because you, in particular, are very high on Romanov. You said you thought he was the future of the heavyweight division. I yeah. don't know if you said it. You might not have been that strong on it. But you did say, like... You felt like he was smashing through everybody, submission guy, yeah. interesting matchup for anybody. You thought he could be a future top contender. Do you still feel like that potential's there, or was this a giant step backward in your evaluation of him? I mean, granted, it was his hardest test to date. Marcin Tybura, been in there with the best of them. But, oof, man, after the first round, nothing. Nothing. Different fighter. Different fighter, nothing to offer to Marcin Tibera, and Tibera kind of just point fought and found a way to get the decision. I mean, it was a majority decision. That just says it all right there how this fight was. Yeah, it was. He was number thirteen. He probably won't like go back exponentially because he lost number eleven. But this uh, right when King Kong started to get back in my good graces, and I was really starting to believe in him and be like, all right. This guy can beat Tybura and really crash in here, get to the top five maybe after one more win. But now, I don't know, brother. I don't know. I, I that new physique. And again, it was at altitude. I don't know how much all that that's, impacted that's these guys. I, I don't know because I love the new physique. He looks great, but he just left a lot to be desired in this one. So I'm gonna have to pump the brakes uh, for right now, pretty substantially actually. So. We'll see. Yeah, I just did. I just really couldn't shake that Juan Espino fight, mm-hmm. you know. And that this yep. fight felt very similar. Yeah. And that outside of round one, like you get out of the first round, and he's just like completely different. Yeah. First round of this fight, dude, he was, dominated. He dominated. I mean, honestly, it's kind of crazy that Tibera got a majority decision. He didn't. He didn't land a single significant strike in round one. Yeah, and only one judge gave him a ten eight. Yeah, this uh, that's true. That, a lot of ten eight was being discussed on the commentary, but if there was a ten eight round, it was round one of this fight, especially. Like, not that Romanov was necessarily putting a ton of damage on him, but like Tibera didn't land a single strike. Yeah, yeah. How how much more clear can you get? Right. Um, but I like that Tibera was able to come back. Like mm-hmm. that's Tibera, man. He's a tough guy. He's a tough durable. Out. Yeah. So that's why I felt like this would have been a huge win for Romanov. I wasn't yep. even 
man, I was so close. Halfway through the week, I said, I'm going to put money on Tibera. Yeah. And I didn't because I was like, I'm already putting money on Jose. Like, I got somebody, I got a little sprinkle on Leon by decision. I'm like, I don't want to put that much underdog yeah. money line plays. And, uh, of course, the one that ends up working out, I don't put money on. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is what it is. Uh, Romanov, he did have the new physique, and I was starting to be like, okay, if that really proves to deliver in him looking a lot better in rounds two and three, then he'd be super dangerous. If he could yeah. look like in round, even if it's just round two, the way he looks in round one, yeah, that guy could be a real threat for a title. Yeah. But he just can't. He just, and this He's is got five right, minutes. It's at, alti- it's at altitude. Right. But this is all we have to go off of. So. I'm- yeah, I'm just you know Romanov's gonna be an interesting fighter moving forward, but you just know if it gets out of the first round, he's maybe not gonna win the fight. That's kind of what it's turning into with him. Yeah, we shall see. And the last one, this is a pretty big standout. Our early prelims were very good. You know, they a lot of fun fights on the early prelims, a lot of quick stoppages. It was sort of after that where things got a little more. Downs. Uh, decision yeah. heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but Mir Alvazi was the big standout for me. He was on his first fight back since January 2021. He took on the brother of Davison, Francisco Figueredo. Got the first round submission over him. Had a great little speech in the post fight. Mm-hmm. I liked what I saw here. One of my buddies, my former roommate at, at uh, Bowling Green, was watching the fights and he messaged me and said, I don't know who this Albazi guy is, but he's probably my favorite fighter now. So I think he won hey. over some people with the post fight. That's awesome, man. You love to hear that for newer fans too. Uh, he was ranked number 11. I think people forgot about him. I didn't realize he had that long of a layoff. I knew he had just been on a tear though in the UFC. I think he's 4 0 now in the UFC with three finishes, 15 and 1, young in his prime destroyed francisco francisco's been in some interesting fights to be fair but still like that's a big win welcome back you're already in the rankings let's see what he can do i believe in him that was a good performance i think he's i think he's he is my flyweight romanov like for you like i think that's fair not in the sense of like out of five minutes you know right right but i i really think this guy is like got big time potential and yeah I'm excited to see if he can make good on that. If he can put it all together for long enough, stay healthy long enough. Got a great attitude for it. Mm-hmm. He's good on a mic. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Utah who were cheering the guy until he said he was from Iraq, started booing his ass. I mean, what, yeah. what is Come going on. on here? Come on, America. Let's be better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's move on to the below average bet slip. Now are and you I'm sure? Gonna, I'm going to take my time. Please plugging do. our social media here because um, this this is a dark time, guys. This, this is show. bad when this shows up on the screen. <laughs> so you can follow the the podcast on Twitter, Instagram at the Bajma at the B A J M M A. Oh my sweet Jesus! <laughs> um, um, <laughs> oh. If you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we'll be posting these picks so that you can fade them uh, on Friday before the fights. Um, you can follow me or Dom on our personal Twitter or Instagrams. I'm at 
NT Baker underscore Dominic's at Diesel 14. Okay. Um, so this is a new record low for our combined. Um, by, I think we nearly doubled our previous career low. So minus 12.17 units. I just want to, so let's take, so let's not even look at the total numbers. Yeah. Let's just go, you know, you go bet by bet. When you look down the list, Dom, Mm -hmm. how much, was there a lot of regret for you or did you look through it and you're like, man, I felt good about these. Like I felt like these, these more often than not hit. Yeah, I only had, um, I had six by myself. Yeah, I had one. One that I, not, I guess I regret it, but I knew there was danger going into. It was Santos Gordon inside the distance. But I love that I was almost getting plus money for that because Leonardo Santos has been kill or be killed. He has great first rounds with knockout power. Jared Gordon showed he's been knocked out before, but after round one, Santos gets pretty gassed pretty quickly. Gordon has a gas tank to last ages. I felt that he could really pick Santos apart rounds two and three with his grappling and beat him down there, potentially get a stoppage, be a submission or uh, TKO. And then Gordon chose to stand in this fight. He looked the best I've ever seen him standing. He was letting loose on Leonardo Santos, but right when I felt like, ooh, I'm going to cash this thing, he'd stop striking and just stand there for a few seconds. So... Very frustrating, but I should have known, dude. Gordon's such a decision-heavy fighter. I I went out on a limb, and uh, I paid the price for it. But other than that, what are you going to do? I I mean, all the the, my two parlays both missed. I mean, one of them would have hit. The Sean Woodson fight in itself was kind of crazy. But I just believed in in him a lot. Yeah, man, that was the only one. So five out of six, I felt strongly in. I felt confident, obviously, going in with all six. I come out with my personal worst week, our bet slip per, uh, combined worst week, and Noah, what do you think? Any regrets for you on last night's card? Man, there's a lot of X's. It's a lot of bad luck on here, I mean, to be honest with you. We're not AJ trying to push your foot around either. Uh, AJ Fletcher, money line. I mean, he had he had the guy right, I mean, he was, oh my God. When like he, he shot a, for that takedown, dude. I screamed. Oh, dude, that hurt. Yeah, I felt it. I felt it. He had my man just ready to go <laughs> out along the fence, was landing bombs. Yeah. And just cast himself out. He had nothing left. I was um I was devastating. Yeah. Aldo, I mean, you know, I, I that one's just uh, That looks bad time. like hindsight, but Really? Does it though? Because wasn't it twenty? Was it twenty nine, twenty eight? I mean, it was. I don't even know. It was a relative. No, I'm saying just the way he performed. Yeah, it looked bad hindsight. um, Paulo Costa by finish. Look at that fight and tell me that Paulo Costa (laughs) shouldn't have finished that fight. I mean, Luke Rockhold in round two was ready to just give up, but he didn't. That's respect. You know, he has a lot of heart. But all I felt like Paulo needed to do was just put together a couple just combinations and really pressure him and. I thought Luke might will. I mean, he was hand on the hips like he was done. Yeah. I couldn't believe that fight made it the distance. Uh, let me skip around here. Um, <laughs> Do you want to explain the Sean Woodson situation? Because you technically, yeah. there is a green check mark down there. So first <laughs> off, 
Mike Beltron should be ashamed for letting this fight continue. Sean Woodson got put to hell by an illegal knee, knocked him out. Like he was out. And they let, when I saw they were letting the fight continue, I said, what is going on here? Yeah. I said, he was just knocked down twice. And then an illegal knee shattered his face and knocked yep. him out cold. Yeah. And they're like, are you good to go? And he's like, yep, I'm good. I'm like, what are you doing standing up right now? Yeah. How are you standing? Yeah. And then he somehow goes on to win the rest of the fight. Yeah, yeah. But it only led us to a draw. So, so. Please explain. Since this. Dom had a double chance, KOT, KODQ slash decision. His DQ, parlay is, by the way. Yeah, you know. yeah. So if it's a DQ, we both benefit. Because I had Sean Woodson money line on my parlay. But since Dom had the double chance prop here, his parlay just dies. It's over. Done. Yeah. But mine, Sean Woodson, just gets, uh, what's the word? Voided. Uh, voided. And meanwhile, just to let you guys know, this was a three-leg parlay that had Miranda Maverick on it. Yeah. So I had three-leg parlay that was at like minus 135. That's why I had 1.35 units on it. Yeah. Random Mavericks fight with Shannon Young off. Sean Woodson goes to a decision with Luis Saldana. So all of a sudden, this turned into a Tyson Pedro <laughs> minus seven forty money line play, which is nothing. Basically. Which was one of the two bets that hit of the night. Um, and then I mean, I had I I I had Usman over two and a halfs as the same game parlay. He gets knocked out with one of the coldest head kicks in the last minute of the fight that you'll ever see. Yeah. And I tried the hedge with the slight <laughs> Edwards by decision at plus 900. And Edwards goes in and knocks him out. I mean, guys, it's it's comical just the, yeah. Yeah. the amount of bad luck that was on this card. That's why you can't even get mad at it. You know, you just got to laugh it off. Like, you ever see that meme of LeBron James and he's like, Man, look at my life. I'm just going like, <laughs> yes, to yeah. That's me right now. Just like, or I'm that, that meme of the, the dog that's like at work and it's all fire around him. And he's like, this is Everything's fine. fine. Yeah. <sighs> well, well, can, hey, can you, actually, uh, Dom, editor Dom, can you, edit, can you just put in a hurricane clip right here so I can laugh again? Just any random hurricane yeah. clip? We'll do, Noah. We'll right. do. What superpowers do you have? I got my horror powers, bitch! Thanks for that, Dom. I really appreciate it. That's what I needed. Yep. As we're going to move on to the way we end the show around here. We don't just end it like any normal show. We do a little thing called closing statements. The point in the show where me and Dom can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not, it is Monday, August 22nd. Dominic, do you have any closing statements for today? I actually don't think I do, but I'm going to use this time, this platform, to just say that this Thursday, guys, verbal sparring is back. Mm, We're bringing nice, it back. Nice. Our question and answer type segment, different from the podcast. Obviously, you guys, you guys know how we're branching content now. And... uh 
send us in questions if you've got them. We're going to try and do these once a month so we don't have to have like 10 to 12 anymore because we're going to do them more frequently. But still, we want a good little chunk, a good little discussion to have. Mm-hmm. If you guys want, send in voice messages. That's at the link in our bios. It's in at the Bajma. Uh, the link's there at the bottom. The you Bajma. Can, the Bajma. You can DM us. Uh, you can tweet us. Uh, Instagram comments, YouTube comments, whatever. But if you have any questions that want to be answered, uh, we're going to be recording that Wednesday evening, releasing it when a MMA weekend preview would normally come out this coming Thursday. So, yeah, send us in questions if you've got them. We're looking forward to kind of getting go- those going more frequently and just I love it. Noah birthed that idea, and uh, I've loved it ever since. I love the discussions, the open format to just really spew our thoughts. So look forward to having those back in your guys' lives this week. Yeah, we'll probably be doing the top eight questions. Um, mm-hmm. We used to do like a dozen. Yeah. It's kind of long, and if we're doing them monthly, it's just... Right. We can lower it. Yeah, so we'll do eight, uh, but they're going to be rock solid, and we want your mm-hmm. input, so let us know. Um, did I cut out a little bit there, or do you still hear me? I got you. I got you. Okay, because you were cutting out a little bit on my end, so I was kind of like nervous about it. But... For my closing statement today, man, just so much we just went through on there. I mean, what a journey this episode's been. I don't know what the... Well, the, see, you had a long pause there, and I thought you were about to bring, you know. Bring the, the thunder. Bring the boom, yeah. Guess what I had for dinner yesterday? Tell me you ate a devour frozen meal. No. Tell me you ate your frozen pizza. <laughs> no. People Close. tune in next week. You'll know what we're talking about, by the way. But Close. Um, wait a minute. You ate the uncooked frozen pizza. <laughs> no. You ate the toppings off of the no. uncooked. Okay. Uh, I had pizza rolls. Oh, nice. Wait. Oh, <laughs> Pizza rolls, bagel bites. Okay, yeah, I got yeah, you. I see where you're see. going. Yeah. I'll probably have them again today. Good for you. Maybe I'll go eat a bagel bite or two. I'm going to talk about the ESPN Plus app. I'm glad that we, me and Dom kind of stalled there because I, uh, <laughs> I was struggling to think of. The ESPN Plus app pissed me off big time, and this has happened a couple times. I buy the pay-per-views on my phone. Uh-huh. I go to the app on my phone usually a couple days before buy it and then when it comes time to watch i have the same account on my roku tv yeah it's all done. go on there and it's all done this happened that time that all of my buddies you included came and watched at my house and then it happened again last night where it came time for the pay-per-view to start i go to click on it and it says buy pay-per-view and it's like not mm. registering yeah that it's been bought but on my phone it it's you can click on it and start it. watching it so then I go, okay, I don't want to fuck with this right now. So I started trying to airplay it on my TV. Mm-hmm. Well, then it kept pausing yeah. and wouldn't play, which airplay kind of sucks. I don't know if other people have issues with their airplay, mm-hmm. but it doesn't usually bode well for me. Like every time I bought a pay-per-view and I've been at my mom's house, I try I have to airplay it because her TV for some reason, they don't have like uh, ESPN Plus is offered as like a huh, that's weird. an app on there. It's weird. But um, I try to airplay it, and it usually ends up just pausing over and over and over every 10 seconds, and it gets really annoying. So then I end up having to watch it on my phone like a jabron. But um, this time, it was fucking with me like that. 
I started getting mad. Yeah. I was like starting to punch the pillow on the couch. I'm like, what is going on? I said, are you kidding me? I have to watch this on my fucking phone. Yeah. I'm looking up stuff online, like how to fix it. And then sure enough, right as the first fight is starting, it finally just registers. It just says, oh, now you're good. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, now I'm good. Yeah. Like I, I, I logged out of my account, logged back in. I deleted the app from my Roku and re-downloaded it. And then just randomly, it was just like, nope, now you're good. We we verified it. You're good now. Yeah. You're like, thanks. I miss Ron Perlman's cold open, you son yeah, of a Yeah, exactly, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> Don't you hear the way I intro these shows? I love that shit. Yeah. Um, so ESPN Plus, fix that shit because that's happened. I remember when you guys were all over. You may not remember I do. This. No, I do. Yeah. I do. Because you were freaking out. Yeah. You're like, why isn't it bought? You're like, why isn't it on the TV? I'm like, dude, we'll just use mine. We'll just buy mine on my account. And I'm like, Dom, I bought it. Like, I yeah. paid for it. Like, what? what is happening right now? You're like, you, and, it's on my bank statement, right? <laughs> and Dom's like freak. He's like standing up. He's like got hands on his head. He's like, dude, what is going? He's like, why are we not listening to the cold open right yeah. now? So then I finally get it on, and then I rewind it to listen to the cold open. Yeah. Um, good times. Awesome. But, um, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We are but two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. I missed.